0: Good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you guys?
0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Moaning. If you're listening, welcome on podcast, welcome on YouTube, welcome on Mars, wherever you may be. Um, apologies for the sound of a lozenge in my mouth. Um, I'm suffering with a cold, so... <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> what? What's so funny.
1: No, he is actually very ill, but that was just very man fluid. Sorry for,
0: lo- so, sorry for the sound of the lozenge. I was <sighs> just realising it was making a clattering sound in my
1: mouth. So, sorry for the sound of the lozenge in my mouth. Sorry for the pilot. It wasn't said like that at all. At all. Come on. Who no. thinks it was said like no, that? Come if only. Let's if... have a bit of man flu fun. Come no, on. No. Oh, my God. we have all the same colours again. What? what? dark and non Sorry, I find this so weird. I don't. We get dressed separately and we nearly always match.
0: Well, thank God we do get dressed separately. That would be fucking strange if we got dressed together, wouldn't it? People do get dressed together. Together? Well, they get up, they get in clothes. I mean, they do other things together. We don't even sleep in the same room when I'm ill. Oh, my God. Um, God, I can't laugh. Oh, Mark, no sympathy off Nadia, says Ellen. Get well soon, says so Zoe. Tell them what you. I
1: just said to you before we started.
0: I'm going to shove a long thing up your bottom and do some pegging. Was that what you said? Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't. Did anyone see our pegging podcast yesterday? It was quite a shocking experience, especially the moment when Nadia demonstrated at approximately 36 minutes in. It was just outrageous. Um, Zoe sent me a screenshot yesterday saying, "This looks interesting." Is the title <laughs> the title of our the title of our podcast? So do check it out if you want to be shocked but also have a laugh <clears throat> so how are you Ned? i'm great good take over because i can't want to keep talking Oh, I'm right, off.
1: okay um yes yesterday we did do a podcast on pegging and it was really funny because we kept it quiet all day because we didn't want the kids to know and then i was just doing an instagram live and i was like oh yeah our podcast on pegging and one of our daughters just was like what <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> where have you done this yeah. <laughs> they go through too much they really do go through too much so today what are we going to be talking about well
0: we've got the really really sad sad news yeah. that um dave myers dave myers one half of the hairy bikers for anyone who's not from the uk they're a sort of real household uh name not just cookery just a real pair of friends yeah who changed
1: the face in a lot of ways yeah. Didn't they? they cracked open in a way a new mm. genre of of cooking mm. um very made, um, made it so accessible, I think, to a lot of people. So, we're going we're gonna to talk a bit about. And I think the most remember him.
0: Th- yeah, so he, he tragically passed away after struggling with pancreatic cancer mm. for a fair God. few years, actually. Um, but the thing that, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I think the thing that they did do was they also put a focus on male friendship, which I think was really nice, mm. Um, mm. which is slightly different in this media landscape. And um, also,
1: <clears throat> an, another topic which I think is really good that we're doing from a male perspective is Bradley Cooper, not Bradley Walsh. The reason I always say that is because I always say Bradley Walsh. Because I mean Bradley Walsh is the one who
0: does The Chase. Yes. Right.
1: We're talking about Bradley Cooper, the movie star, godlike director. Yeah. Oh, God, I just melt. When I think of him in A Star is Born, I'm a mess. Yeah, I know you are. I adore him in that film. I just wish he'd stop doing whatever he's doing now to his face.
0: Would you like to peg him?
1: Mark, that's enough. Don't mention it again because you always overdo everything. Stop. My mum's watching. Sorry, Dina's Brittany. watching. Sorry,
0: Dina. Stop. Dina asked me today, she said, Is there going to be any sex in today's coffee morning? I said, No, not at all.
1: Right. And that is it. That's Do it. not that's say lot. it again.
0: That's your lot.
1: Um, so, and he's talk, he talks about <clears> how <throat> he just found it really difficult to make any connection with his daughter in the first eight months. And I think a lot of men, a lot of people, men and women think like that. We, we hear some. I still, not, I still don't think enough about how difficult that can be for mums mm. because I think there is, is still such a taboo mm. to say that you didn't feel like you loved your baby or your child. Um, But today we're going to be talking about it from a male perspective. So if anyone's got anything to say on that, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, and I've got lots to say on that, actually. And I think it really is all about guilt. I I do think it's a bit of a taboo, put in the title. I don't love my baby taboo, so I think that'd be interesting. Also, there's a a story which I think is really interesting, because, of course, all of the right-wing media have seized upon it in that classic way, which is a new show in the West End, or uh, a theatre in the West End which is um, about slavery and it's about a sort of black experience, um, you know, generational experience. And what they've come under, I don't even know if they've necessarily come under criticism, but there's been the arched eyebrow from the likes of the Daily Mail and the Telegraph and what have you about the fact that um, this theatre is staging black-only audience shows. Um, So I just wanted to have a chat about that.
1: Oh, and I'm really glad because I I texted a friend of mine Mm. Who is, and um, I said to her, Well, I'll tell you. And she's just given me her view on that. And, and
0: finally, we're going to show you some photographs from possibly the greatest children's um, uh, sort of a, what would you call it theme park slash experience. You know, when you take your kids to these places in the middle of the sort of new forest, you go, Oh, let's go mm. on that slide, and it's all advertised everywhere, and you get there, and there's like barely a gate. Mm. And, and uh, anyway, so we're going to take you through, we're going to walk you through. I've got some fabulous images to show you of the Wonka experience, which I think was near Dundee in Scotland. Um, that traumatized now, I need people. to know
1: more about this, like what, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that. Right. So it's, it's great.
0: Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about Dave. Mark, let's talk about Dave. Oh, bless him.
1: Is it two years, Mark?
0: I think I at least, was... I think it could be longer
1: because. Oh, yeah, no, two
0: years after revealing he'd been diagnosed yeah yeah
1: what what, I, what i've been struck by through this was just how well he's been doing because yep. as many of us know and you know pancreatic cancer is you know it's, it's just a real tough one
0: it's, mm, real it's tough very tough yeah. Uh,
1: yeah and i mean like, we don't need to go into that too yeah. much but we know people that have lost people to pancreatic cancer you know our dear friend lisa lost her mum to pancreatic cancer in fact we did um, Gemma
0: Perry's mum died of pancreatic cancer too
1: sorry Gemma I'm so sorry we did the um, half marathon didn't we to raise money Um, and and you know our experience through Lisa was (sighs) that it was just so damn quick so if I'm honest when I first heard that he was diagnosed I I really thought it was going to be that quick but he, he you know he is he's He's had, like you say, a couple of years. It's really weird. It feels like it was just so.
0: Soon well, a number ago. of people who are saying, Karis and uh, Gemma, you're both saying that your, your mum found out and then died, passed away two weeks later, too.
1: Yeah, same, same, Elise. <clears throat> yeah.
0: I think I think one of the things I, I want to say about these guys is that, as I said briefly at the beginning, I, I a, a vuncular, warm, um, friendship between men you rarely see i mean you, you get it i mean you do get it i mean i'm thinking of like going fishing with with you know um, the two comedians i forget their names hmm, but that's um, a lot later on these yeah that's a lot later like on. The uh, these two yeah and i think it was kind of unusual and i like the kind of conflict of of also in the food realm or the food area would you agree that the, mm. you had two men who weren't trying i mean you relate to this because they weren't trying to sell themselves as chefs they were they were foodies
1: yeah they were just they were just cooks I mean, they—they they were just. That's what I always say. You know, after I after I won Celebrity Master Chef, which you know is nothing like being a, the the real Master Chef, but. And then people were calling me chef, you know, a chef's coming in, <laughs> got an, i an got a chef, I was like, I'm not a chef, yeah, yeah. stop calling me a chef, I'm just a cook. And they were, because it's awful for people that have really trained and gone through that, you yeah. know, that really tough experience. And they were like that. They were, they were cooks and they were cooks and they wanted hearty, mm. you know, good hearty food. And initially their food was, oh, got real comfort food and really like naughty food. And then they did quite a lot around healthy eating as well, which I think was fantastic as well, because a lot of men a while ago, it's not so much like that now, found that a bit sort of, Mm. you know, it wasn't macho enough. Sissy. Yeah, I was going to say that, but then I didn't. But it was like that sissy idea. Any other words you
0: don't want to say, just come to me.
1: So they made that really accessible as well. They made healthy eating accessible. And people just Loved them. Mm. I mean, I've been at events where they were there, and it was like, it was like gods. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Some of these chefs are literally hero cooks, are hero worshipped, and Mm. you know the Jamie Olivers, Gordon Ramsays, and the hairy Mm. bikers were in that too, because I think as well that relatability, down to earth. They were never anything other than they showed us had them on the show many times. And do you know what, Dave?
0: i Pop Victoria I'm just going to tee you up says he was a trained makeup artist
1: well yes so every single time every single time I saw Dave he would come up and go how's your dad Aww. every single time because my he'd made up my dad in a couple of movies actually I did ask my mum let me just see if she's answered me yet
0: uh, and they were so Geordie's let- weren't they it was they were gentle, there was a gentle meandering, even though they were on bikes, they really spoke to that truth that bikers, you sort of think what a mad petrolhead head gets on a bike, but they're often, they're often, gen- you know, Hells Angels. Often, if you kind of hang out with them, not that I have, they're quite gentle kind of souls, yeah. you know. And I love this, you gentles. would never have
1: thought he was a makeup no. artist, that's what I mean. It's like, he I didn't walked- realize he
0: did prosthetics. Uh, Elsa is saying,
1: yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah, I mean, everybody knew him as a makeup artist in the yeah. business, people knew him as a makeup artist.
0: Um, Can I read you what Cy said of him? Because it's incredibly sweet, yeah, I know. his it's, tribute. It's Have you quite, seen it? Mm-hmm. Um, this is what his, his obviously, his colleague, um, Cy King said. He said on Twitter, last night on the 28th of Feb, with uh, Lily, Dave's wife, his family, close friend David and myself by his side, he passed away peacefully at home. All he knew Dave had devastated at his passing. His beloved wife brought him such happiness as did her children. Isa and Sergio, who Dave loved like his own. Personally, I'm not sure I can put into words on how I feel at the moment. My best friend is on a journey that for now I can't follow, which is particularly poignant, because of course they journeyed everywhere. I will miss him every day and the bond and friendship we shared over half a lifetime. I wish you Godspeed, brother. You are and will remain a beacon in this world. See you on the other side, love you. I know Dave and his family would want me to thank all of you who sent messages of support. Um, It meant the world to him, his family, and all the Hairy Bikers team. I'm sending you all much love and gratitude for those simple acts of kindness, generosity, and spirit. We are eternally grateful for them. Bless him. Bless him.
1: What was that last bit?
0: May I ask you all for one further kindness and allow Lily, his wife, his Mm -hmm. family, close friends, and I, some time and some peace to process a huge loss. I'm sure I will see you all soon. Yeah. Very, yeah.
1: very loved, yeah, and just always so. Jo- I mean, jolly. What, what do I remember when I think of him? What do I think? I always think of him bouncing <coughs> in, like jolly as jolly can be. And as I say, always would say to me about my dad, which I just found <coughs> so sweet. You know, just like, yeah, and just just really like humble and <coughs> no airs and graces at all, and just like. It was almost like he felt like he was stumbling into everything that was happening yeah, to yeah. him. You know? I always
0: remember a very funny story uh, from one of the commissioners at the, the BBC where, you know, they came through, their cookery shows came through BBC Daytime um, we did some work for them. And I always remember a very, very funny line where apparently the, the bikers came in one time, I don't know if you remember, to a meeting. They said, we, we've had a thought, we want, to, we want to cut all the hair off, we want to go short. Oh, and, yes. And the, oh, the yes. controller of the channel at the time I said, but, but then that means you'd just be called the bikers. <laughs>
1: That's so true. Ch- I remember to, that story. And to be fair, they
0: roared with laughter, as did he. And, and yeah, it just struck me as funny. It is so they- funny,
1: actually, because when we were thinking of the names for yeah. Dina and I yeah. to be cooks, we were like, mm-hmm. we were like, God, the really success, because we, we're not chefs, we're just cooks. All the really successful cooks with their cookery books have, have never been called their name. Yeah. Like the two fat ladies and then we'd be saying, Oh, the hairy bikers, yeah. weren't we? And we were yeah. thinking about the hair and it was it was, yeah, it was and even Jamie Oliver, do you remember at the beginning, of course, he transcended all that, but he naked was like chef. the naked chef.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um Which leads me to think, well, perhaps, you know, you are you the curly not that you're fat, no, but I mean you're the curly, fat naked. We could, we could hairy cooks. Them, the hairy <laughs> the hairy, the hairy naked cooks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I've got a number of their books and um, their books are great. And they're really, they're really, um, you know, if you're looking for a book to buy, I would say buy a hairy biker's cookery book because they're so doable and it can be a little to him and his family.
0: And as someone just said, they did the hairy dieters, didn't they? Yes,
1: that's right. The hairy dieters. Because of diabetes, was it? I think one of them was diabetic. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, let's talk about. Bradley Cooper, for a minute. And no, not no, Bradley no, Walsh. No, not Bradley Walsh, the chase. Um, Bradley Cooper has revealed in an interview that he had an eight-month struggle to form a connection with his daughter, Leah. I don't even know if I really love the kid it's quite a sentence that isn't it i don't even know the first eight months i don't even know if i really love the kid he was talking in the past tense he's not saying he doesn't know if he loves the kid now and i don't think he's necessarily talking about the fact that whether he well well this is the topic is he can you have a child and not love it i i think i
1: i think that what happens is it mm. is so sh- talking from a female perspective right when I went and if you think that's grown in me and it's come out of me and the shock was so enormous that I didn't know what I was feeling about anything. I cannot tell you those that have had a baby will, will you know, identify with some of this. It was nothing like I thought it was going to be. And so (coughs) I didn't know what I felt. I felt almost numb and I felt scared Mm. and I felt what have I done and how, and this is a total stranger. So, I liken it to having a brand new guest mm. in the house, mm. and you don't know whether they like coffee and tea, coffee or tea in the morning, and you don't know whether they like a soft pillow or hard pillow. And yet, everyone looks at you and says, "Oh, you'll know what they want," and hands them back to you when this baby cries. And you yeah. think, "Well, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know what they want." So I, I always think, for a man, it must be like that, but like in a way even more twisted because you haven't got this absolute physical connection mm. whether on your breast and so i i feel and i think if you don't mind me saying it's what i saw in you because you've got to most of the time the baby is is stuck on the mum anyway so it's kind of difficult to know how to get in and have a snuggle Mm. and have a sniff. And sometimes men are very nervous of holding a baby if they haven't held a baby. Mm. And so I I can imagine that you're just looking at it a lot of the time thinking... Where do I fit in? And mm. I don't know what I feel. It's not going to just be a massive romantic movie star rush of love for everyone.
0: Well, I think this is a really important thing to talk about. He says in this podcast in which he was talking, he says, it, you know, when he first became father, it's dope. It's cool. I'm like watching this thing morph and grow up. My experience, I was fascinated by it. Love taking care of it. But I asked, would I die if someone came in with a gun? um elaborating on the delay when he came to his fatherly instincts kicking in cooper said all of a sudden it was like no question it kicked in
1: but you see what i would say go back to that that's what's yeah. interesting okay so kicking um in. no so i well, what was it he said i loved looking after i that's what's fascinating but love taking care of yeah. it so you didn't just take care of it for no other reason. That is a primal instinct to keep mm. taking care. And that is, there is love in that. Lucy,
0: you don't have to it's, spam. I've just read from the podcast. It's Thanks,
1: it's, the, it's the love that is coming from the love. Yeah, and yeah. it just, it's just, it's like when somebody's, well, it's like when people say to young people, but how do you know you're in love? You're only sixteen. It's yeah. not love. Yeah. We all have this yeah. idea of what love is, and love comes in very many shapes and sizes. Absolutely. And if you're looking at the romantic movie style ideal of what love for a baby is, many, many people are going to trip and fall and feel there's something wrong with them. Yeah. What I would say is, just be patient. Mm. Don't let anyone rush into it, you rush you into feeling <coughs> a certain way. It's Can like layers about, of an onion that peel off.
0: Well, shall I talk about how I have felt? about kids I think I do think I do think that one feels I think it's more complicated in a different way for men insofar as an immediate or or again this is a huge pressure for women because I think there are two different debates here Mm. you know for a woman who doesn't feel that natural warmth love connection this is a huge thing that happens a lot more than we think it's something that people struggle to talk about and I think it is about this idea that no one emotion or no one experience and no one feeling is a constant or a or a fixed or an expected thing and to not feel things I mean a small example would be when you've lost someone dear to you in life you know, the suggestion being that what are you saying? That in none of the microcosmic seconds for the next three weeks, so you can have a moment where you where you perhaps smile at yeah. something else. It doesn't it mean really, you're not feeling you the do. other thing. It's not fe- you're not feeling the grief. And I think I think we get I think there's a lot of pressure around the word love. And I think again, mm. it speaks to the inefficiency of the word because I think you know you have a child. There are so many conflicting emotions. I mean, we've talked a lot on this channel about how I often think and wonder and ask a question that. You know, many of the reasons we have children aren't entirely uh, altruistic or, or necessarily even kind. <laughs> I mean, you know, they can be ego driven, they can be done for different reasons, expectations, and all this kind of stuff. So I think baked into having a child, it's not just about, oh, I should feel the love. I think for men, there is also the difference of seeing that connection between a woman, not always, but generally more naturally, because you can see that quite literally in a physical, emotional, spiritual sense. The child and the mum are kind of united in a much more kind of meaningful fashion. And it's about- Would you
1: say though that, like <clears throat> when when I had Maddie, for instance, yes, and I did, I was very very shocked. I was much, I was my older mum, and it was just such shocking. My life. Would you say that you felt a swell of love for me? Because I wonder for for the man, is it because there's a big swell of love for the woman because you've seen what they've gone through and all of this, and, and maybe within that is all the love for the baby as well but it's very hard like you say to compartmentalize it isn't it so you're feeling more love yes and then you're questioning what what is the love for whereas actually maybe it's just like
0: yes interesting a swell of emotion yeah I think that's an interesting thought because I think in I mean because men don't have the baby inside them I mean yes you can see it and you but let's talk let's talk on a deep spiritual level here it's not part of us in the same way and so you're right. Where we kind of come in is we can kind of care for you as the mum, and you're carrying the baby, and then you get this moment, which isn't isn't a kind of, I mean, it is a eureka moment for the mum, but it's not as much of a eureka moment because you've had this great big thing in your stomach moving about. You've got a sex. Totally you see, shocking. you still see movements that the kids do, and it reminds you of a movement. I don't think do. it prepares you at all. No, 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 I know. But what I'm saying is, is that you ha- at least you have a a physiological sense of something existing inside you, which men do. But it's a visual thing, and I think for men, it's a much more optic thing. Suddenly, there's a baby. Suddenly, your loved, your family has gone from one other person to two people, and you're like, "Oh my god!" But that's not really a person. That's my yeah, wife. So
1: hard. That's so That's not nuts, a person. That's it?
0: a baby. It's a thing. And I mean, I've always said it, and I'm going to shoot me down in flames. I find babies really. I
1: find them really you're annoying. Not, you don't really, really not, like a, little babies I, find new all, babies. I find them all a
0: bit generic. I mean, when there's beautiful ones, and we know a few that, we, you know, they really stand out. So catchy, I remember my they... uncle
1: saying. They are all, when they are born, they are all just like a leg of pork. they like it's maggots. Like, it's like many legs of pork. I'm thinking, oh, God. But because I think there is more fear around holding them and they're slippery and they're weird and they're just so fragile. Yeah. But where they're I noticed scary. it really kicks in for you, and it was the same with both of them, is once they're looking at you and they're and and, and then you were just like besotted but yeah. up until that point you you i felt like almost like you were waiting it was i think
0: weird. dads i think dads are looking for a more obvious trigger sign from this thing that's alive yeah. saying I need now you now this is a human and and so in a weird way I think that's why I know I didn't at night but I mean you know when we were out I would love I would relish the prospect of rushing to the toilet always in the restaurant mm, and changing good. the nap I I liked that involvement because it for me it just kind of it became something that was really for me it wasn't it, the baby's throwing its shit everywhere it doesn't give a fuck who's changing its nappy but for me it was an important kind of bonding sort of thing to have mm. the kind of nitty-gritty mucky stuff you took them every night.
1: single time to the loo and restaurants, I mean, and restaurants and I'd use
0: all of the kind of I've got really expert and
1: on airplanes you take
0: uh, yeah do it in oh, I love it. yeah I mean I'm really handy actually changing nappies in a one of those tiny toilets so it
1: does go back to that thing as well it's like what can we do as well is this yeah. is to because we're just coping aren't we and we're just like dealing with all the. Body stuff and everything, and it's just like a nightmare. But it is about letting yourself lean on your partner if you're if you're if you're blessed to have one, is to lean on them a bit and make them <coughs> feel a part of it.
0: Ross, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I love your. Instagram, Ross, your your photos of you and your daughter. Um, I don't know the exact details by which you came about to become a dad, but um, it took him. Tw- it took you tw- ten months to feel a connection to my daughter. I feel a lot of that is down to the mother's relationship and need for the child, but a father just can't provide.
1: Yeah. I think it's, Interesting. I think it's...
0: And I think it's all right to say it, to say it. And I it, think it.
1: earlier on you said, I think this happens more with women than with men. I don't, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I just think we've got to stop saying things like that. I think it's just a thing that many, many people, men and women will feel and it's okay. Mm. Because if we know it's okay, there's more chance of it just unfolding rather yeah. than just going into a panic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anyway,
1: thanks Brad. Um, we love you Brad.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's Bradley Cooper. Now, this is a stage show um, that's coming to the uh, West End. Excuse me one second. <coughs> a playwright defends black only nights at West End show. A playwright has defended performance for black audiences at a West End uh, show, saying it gives black people a place to feel safe where they often do not feel safe. Um, on the evenings of the 17th of July and the 17th of September, the theatre will be open to an all-black identifying audience to allow black audiences to watch the play free from the white gaze. Um, th- the play, Slave Play, starring Games of Thrones star Kit Harrington, is coming to the Noel Coward Theatre from June 29th to September 21st, uh, and anyone will be able to watch it except on these two evenings, July 17th and September 17th, which will be an all-black identifying audience. What do you think about this? Because... I think, you know, the right-wing press would have us think, oh, this is book gone mad, and all that kind of stuff. And yet the playwright, I think, maybe you want to share what your friend has said, but the playwright gives a really, I think, really, you know, uh, what's the word, nuanced, really strong explanation about why this is important. Hmm. What, what's your well, answer? why don't
1: you give his explanation? Okay, well, his,
0: his explanation, I'm going to sort of paraphrase, is the idea that the, this play is, ha- the, you know, the play and theatre land, there are certain spaces in white culture principally white culture cultured civilization societies uh from which he says black people don't feel they're invited don't feel that they're allowed to be in or if they are if they do go there it's it's kind of it's an exception and it's something that not that they're doffing their cap but they just don't consider it as part of their sort of experience and and it hasn't been catered for enough and so consequently and you only have to go to the theater once in central london and look around to know that principally the vast majority of the audience are white-haired and white and, uh, you know, of a certain class and certain background and what have you. And it's not that that, far from saying everyone in that theatre would be anti, I mean, there's black actors on stages and all sorts of players. It's not that anyone in there is racist, but the world just doesn't feel like it belongs to or is part of the black experience. And so this playwright said, by doing this, I want to say to black people, this can be your space too, and it needs to be an extreme push in the opposite direction to allow this in a safe way, not being looked at, not feeling identified for who you are or what you are, and I, I think that's right.
1: Well, I was a bit confused by it, so I, I, <sighs> I texted this friend of mine um, who is actually a, a, a an actor and a black actor, and I said, <laughs> look, I know you'll trust my intention, so I feel okay to ask you this. It's, it's a genuine question and not me being facetious. I don't know why, but this feels wrong to me. But how can I know as I'm not black? Would love to know what you think. A whole separate performance feels like segregation. That's what I said from my perspective. Mm. I said, you know, and then I said, I absolutely do not agree with the quote from the Tory MP that says that it was uh, racial discrimination Mm, because I don't think it is at all. Mm. And uh, they answered me and said, I think it's about allowing black people to watch a show that has such trauma-based subjects in a safer place. Mm. So then feel the sense of undertaking without having to explain. And there are nights that uh, he's having open evenings, so all should be okay. And I, I thought... Yeah, that's that is that is interesting because because of the subject matter, rather than the not being allowed, mm. not feeling to be in the theatre, and being with people that you know that completely understand it. Mm. It's yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Jeremy, I just want to say uh, I love what you. I'd again, love what, to hear what other people. Yeah, Reese Jeremy O'Harris, who's the playwright, has also explicitly said white people are not uninvited to this night, but it's. Um, uh, but it's principally there for you know, as, as an encouragement, I guess, or a sort of an allowance for just black people, people who identify as black to go. Russ says, which is really interesting. You work at a regional theatre. I think it's a great idea. I can tell you now, for regional theatres, we struggle massively to bring in a diverse audience, and that's not for not for not putting on a diverse program. This is this is the thing for me. You see, I. But think is the- that
1: why they are, But why why there is a lack of of diversity in the audience? Is it is it because They don't, I mean, I I, I just don't understand the concept. I don't understand what they're saying. Because black people don't. Because let me tell you, theatre is incredibly elitist. It is so expensive. And unfortunately, we are both massive theatre lovers. And every time we go (coughs) to the theatre, we're like, how do people afford? So for me, it's about diversity in every way. We need to get people into theatres and experiencing theatre at an affordable bloody price. But uh, what I want to know is how many um, black people do not go to the theatre, are likely to go to the theatre if they know that it's just a black audience. Is that what it's about?
0: No, I don't think it's that about that at all. I think what it's about is everyone who goes to that. So, for example, we saw a play a couple of years ago. It's coming back. Please go and see it. it the oh, title is so diabolical. Fantastic. But it's six black men flirting with suicide. Something, something, something. It's, I can't remember.
1: Well, you can never remember. The it's title. a
0: sensational play that I just can never bloody remember the no. title. Maybe someone here can remember. Um, you know, when we went to see that, it was a principally black audience in there, um, and uh, and it was and, and and that was because the subject matter spoke to. Yeah. what they were saying when I think of the other performance that we saw, Reese. I don't know if you saw Misty, that that Maddie just adored. Again, that. that was a huge moment at the Trafalgar Studios, where you know Trafalgar Theatre, where you know again. It, it, is it about the subject matter catering for yes. people, you know, the black experience? Yeah. I do think the problem with theatre is that it is, and I, I have this problem with nearly all of our received culture and it's something me and Nan, Nanny Dye will sometimes argue about. We just accept hook, line, and sinker, what the sort of traditional plays are. So you're constantly getting things like Ibsen and Shea. It's not to say that they're not all good. I mean, I just saw, I saw King Lear, which was a prince played by a black, King Lear's played by a black actor, principally black cast and there was no, there was no issue there. And I looked around the audience and it was a mixed audience. So mm. I think it's about seeing, feeling, and perhaps on those black only nights, it will bring more people in who would say, this isn't, this isn't for us who would then come out of that uh-huh. and go, Oh, maybe it is something. If there's something, it's got to be something of interest. You know, yeah. it's got to be a play that's perhaps spun in a new direction or something like that. But I I think yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah. I think it makes sense. And I do think that, again, going back to the diversity... I don't think it's a
1: bad idea, for sure, 100%. I don't think it's a bad idea. But I don't know if it's what will bring more black people to the theatre. Do you know what I mean? I'm not well, articulating I, myself well because no, I'm not. a bit confused. No, 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 I
0: don't mean you're not as in, but I know what you're getting at. I think yeah. I think it has to be about what's being staged yeah, speaking exactly. to the right speaking audience. Yeah, speaking to the right
1: people. But
0: then also I do think, I think we'd be joking and lying and ignoring white privilege if we didn't say, when I go out to the theatre at all or walk through theatre land late mm. at night and haven't been to the theatre, it's principally white middle-class people. Yeah. Now that will not feel like a natural fit potentially for, for exactly. people. Other it is so
1: elitist. It uh, really is. Yeah. I mean, God, and and more and more now, Panto, which was a way, a gateway into theatre for people. Lots of people said they have no experience in theatre at all. Even that's so expensive. So it's not even like a way in uh, now for uh, people that might not have felt the love of being in the theatre.
0: Reese Roberts. Conversations I often have with other Black people in the community. We do often talk about how exclusionary theatre often feels from feels from the target audience, the subject matter. This is embracing us. Holy.
1: So, Reese, if you wanted to see a play and there was a, a there was a Black-only na- night, would you choose that over any other night?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. Russ Souch, it's all about how the theatre engages with the local communities. We give away free tickets or discounts to make it affordable for all. I think an interesting, I don't know if this speaks to what maybe you would answer to this, Reese, but maybe the Black-only nights are nights for Black people going to the theatre who go and see stuff that they like. Yeah. They might have family members or people they know who would be like, what the fuck are you doing going to theatre? What's that all about? But on those nights, they'd feel like, yeah, come with me. You'll understand. It'll be a it'll be a, yeah. a more inclusive and, and you won't be looked at. I mean, Erin makes an interesting point here. It's important for marginalised groups of people to have spaces where they can retreat, not because we're unsafe, but because we need time away from questions expectations and stereotypes and i think that's a really good point it's like you when
1: you go to AA, isn't
0: it (laughs) it's exhausting so many so many sort of assumptions i
1: i feel that so keenly through the whole palestinian thing you know i i go out into the world i go into my place of work i go with my and i must remember not to say (coughs) anything
0: sorry
1: i just have to say i go to say something i just i just don't I just, so...
0: This is a good point. I,
1: I I get that. I love that feeling when I settle in with somebody. We went the other day just to have my hearing done, didn't we? And we settled in and had this really lovely conversation oh, yeah. about Palestine. Oh, and God. we loved it so much because yes. it's like, oh, okay, we can just really, we understand. Yeah. It's not like a whole catalogue of things we have to explain first before we get to actually how we're feeling. You didn't
0: have to caveat everything. Yeah, caveat. Fuck The caveats. No. And I think that's what this, these nights speak yes. to. Fuck the caveats. Let's yeah. A um, SC says lots of people feel like theatre isn't for them. Full stop. Yeah. Regardless of skin that- colour, working class white people don't feel like it's for them either. Totally agree. Totally. Okay, and it, most it's, it's what
1: we always talk about. It's just awful. And because theatres and because the Tories absolutely hate any culture arts, don't anybody tell me any different because they cut fucking. Funding everywhere. You know, in the old days of rep theatre, when there was touring theatre companies all the time, every week a different play, mm. all of that, they, they can't afford to do this stuff anymore. So theatre isn't getting out to people across the country. Gemma you know
0: perris is not sure what I feel, as if there was a night for white people, would we be racist then? You see, yeah, but it's not
1: the same thing the same because we have problem. all that privilege. We yeah. can go any night to the theatre and it would be 90% white people. So it's not the same thing. I mean, that so- would be exclusionary, wouldn't it? I mean, yes. that would be if you said only white people. That would be
0: well because most experience. I mean, I think I know what you're driving at. And I know I can, what you and, and I think it harnessed in the wrong way. That's where the anti wokearati kind of chomping whatever middle classes thing that Boris does on about. I think that's that argument of if this was the other way around would it but i do think we we need to be realistic and and kind of grown up about this you know as white people in the uk our antecedents and our sort of background and our heritage sadly you know sadly we we you know sadly for black people we weren't slaves (laughs) you know this is a play about slavery and this is a play about prejudice and it's not to say, you know, so I think... The so compact- it's interesting
1: what my friend said about just feeling the comfort of everybody yeah. understanding that. And I suppose that must be incredibly powerful, actually.
0: Yeah, and quite yeah. the opposite. In fact, when, when we went to see Misty, and it was a wonderful night, Daniel Kalil, it was it was a star-studded event. I went with Maddie and Kiki, and it was like... Uh, we were probably about... We, there weren't many white people in there, but there was nothing exclusionary about it. I didn't feel... Do you know what I mean? It, it was. A, it was a hugely exciting night. It wasn't... And actually, I'm going to be brutally honest, and I don't mean this to sound in any way sort of opposite stereotype, but I tell you what, it was a refreshing change to the very sort of... which you get in every fucking theatre in the land. Go to the RSC. No way. The RSC is a lot of old people
1: because they're the ones that can afford it. after asleep.
0: There's no one angrier than middle-class slightly RSC old white haired RSC Royal Academy visitors yeah. unfortunately and I like those venues and I love the plays and the actors in them but unfortunately the audiences don't bear any relation. you look at a stage often at the RSC and the diversity and representation is sensational and brilliant and then you look at the audience and you go my god mm. this is probably the only time you've ever seen a black person I mean, it's, it's, it's madness anyway good um, convo good convo absolutely final final story which is Got kind of pictures. always
1: not know exactly what you think as well
0: yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely you just have a
1: little wander around your own mind
0: yeah totally um let's show you some footage from a recent uh activity or uh what would you call it an experience what do you call these things when you take kids to when they advertise something what is it a sort of experience. it's an experience this is a new wonker experience really
1: wonker experience yeah
0: this is a Willy really wonker experience that the advertising utilized all sorts of ai and sensational kind of you know virtually edible sort of you know, taste bud salivating imagery of sweets, and you know all the stuff that Willy Wonka's great for. And then when they got there, this is this is this is what they were greeted with. So we walked into here. Yeah, this, oh this my is god! Scotland. How
1: dare they? Uh, Are they going
0: to be arrested? All right, oh, right, okay. A rainbow. It gets better. Look, that's your. That's an area to have a photograph taken against. That's an Oompa Loompa. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's one of the Oompa Loompas Who? Yeah, okay. This is the queuing. That's a mirror. That's like a mirror. Yeah. That there's is... the Oompa Loompa serving the kids.
1: Oh, come on. What's going to happen to the people that put this on and charged this money?
0: Right. Yeah, apparently they charged it and then they just legged it. They closed it as people... Look, there's just a chocolate bar hanging in the air. That
1: is outrageous. That is outrageous.
0: Look at that. And how much
1: were the tickets again?
0: Uh, the tickets were... Hang on one second. I
1: mean, that's what you call daylight robbery, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. If you've
1: charged anything for that.
0: Yeah, they had to cancel the weekend event midway through its first day on Saturday, but they have promised full refunds. I think it was something like 40 quid.
1: No. 40 quid a ticket.
0: And it does look like a meth lab, but just, just for hijinks. And, but this is some footage that Sky News have got from it. It's the end, of No. Look, yes.
1: Yes, are you sure? because oh, it's that oh what is that it's the end of no oh i feel so sorry for the performers there don't you cuz they will they will have got the job not knowing no, this is what look, they were going to It's
0: a bouncy castle Danny. <gasps> tickets
1: 35 pounds <gasps> they were promised a paradise of sweet
0: Which led me to... But uh,
1: well, I mean, they're promising a <coughs> full refund. How did they get to that point where yeah, they but, thought that was going to be all right? I mean, the
0: terrible thing about it is I think it was in a, it was near Dundee or around Dundee, but some people have to drive two hours to get there. So you might get a refund, but you've, tried, you've, you've
1: oh sort of lost my a whole... God. I mean, I don't think it's good enough for them just to get a refund. They Edward should be Bevington.
0: charged. Edward Bevington, that is England. Dina, oh my God, they needed to. What? Um, refund. What was that? A dementor? I mean, what was that creature coming from behind the mirror? I never even saw one of those in Willy Wonka. Um, scam. Total total scam. scam! Total scam! Total uh, scam!
1: It's it's not about just giving a refund. I don't think no. because that is actually that's con
0: artists. Look at that! that's them working out the the algebraic equations to make chocolate. That's a chocolate bar. I mean, come on, guys! I mean, who at the end of it looked at it and actually went, "This will do."
1: Look at ah. that. I feel sorry for her because those performers yeah. will have just been like... Yeah,
0: hired yeah, nobody. In.
1: It's not them. It's the, Whoever organised this is just yeah. shocking. House. I reckon they'll have left the country.
0: House of Illuminati is the, is the yeah. name of the company. Um, fine for mis-selling. They can shove their golden tickets, as James Flanagan. Absolutely exactly. right. Okay.
1: Um, somebody earlier was asking, did we say that we had a <laughs> how-to-stay-married or miscarriage? Yeah, we do. <laughs> Um, would they just search for the miscarriage? What I will
0: do right now, we're at 40 minutes, just up here, once this is uploaded, you will see a little rectangular box, and I'll pop it there, and you can you can watch the miscarriage, how to stay married there.
1: But meanwhile, Mark's going to go and have some turmeric tea. Yes,
0: please, thank you.
1: And um, we'll see you soon.
0: Yeah, guys, lots of love. Um, uh, some vlogs are landing later. If you haven't, go and check out... Uh, look, Parental Advice Recommended... pegging we we talk quite explicitly especially now so there was no stopping her Um, so go and check out our How to Stay Married it's very graphic but it's very funny it's very funny but anyway guys have a lovely day and we will obviously something